Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, for those who don't know, know me, my name's Paul, and I'm the pastor here, and we're starting a new series today. And the reason that I'm up a little bit quicker and a little bit earlier today is I've actually got to go to uh, Lismore to Southern Cross, Prezi, uh, this, uh, this morning to run a meeting for them. So uh, we've done things a little bit quicker in some ways. Uh, can I encourage you, though, we haven't done open prayer this morning or, or talked about that. Please be praying about stuff in the world at the moment. Uh, lots of things going on. Uh, especially with the downing of that uh, Malaysian Airlines flight. Please uh, keep people in your prayers about that uh, and the world as it responds to that as well. And also with the height and tension and, uh, on the Gaza Strip at the moment too. Uh, and don't forget Syria as well. There's lots of stuff going on around the place at the moment. So let's keep that in our prayers and be praying uh, for God's peace to to restore throughout those areas and without those situations as well. Uh, so how about I pray and then we're going to look at God's word together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come this morning, Lord, and we do take a breath. Uh, Lord, it's been great to, to sing the songs that we have this morning. It's been great to hear uh, the story of what's happening in Amy's work, Lord. Uh, and we want to praise you for those things, Father. Uh, we also, Lord, want to bring to you those circumstances and situations that are happening around the world at this point, Lord. It's, uh, uh, it does, uh, that itself takes our breath away too, Lord. We, we're unsure what's going on there. We, it's hard for us to fathom. And, uh, Lord, within all of it, we want to say thank you for being, allowing us to live where we live. Uh, thank you for the blessing that we have, Lord, and help us not take that for granted. We do pray for our world that people will be uh, wise in the decisions that they make. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you may overrule in all things. Uh, Heavenly Father, as we look at 2 Peter here this morning, uh, it's a great reminder, Lord, that you are in control and that you are ultimately going to bring things uh, and this world to a close. Uh, and, Lord, that we need to be on about your agenda while we're here. Uh, help us remember that, Lord, and help us be encouraged, challenged, and changed by what we hear and what we read this morning as we look at 2 Peter together. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, we're looking at 2 Peter this uh, term for the first five weeks anyway, and then we're going to be doing a series called You Can Change. And uh, this actually moves into that as well, because 2 Peter, as you'll see in just a moment, is about how we are to change and how we are to live in the world that we're in. And so it's going to be a helpful lead-in to what we're going to be do- doing a little bit later on this term. Uh, well, I don't know about you, but uh, in the world that we live in, there's lots of real things and there's lots of fake things. And in this world that we live in at the moment, it, it gets even more confusing between what's real and what's fake, uh, especially with the internet and especially, especially with Photoshop. Uh, it's sometimes hard to work out what's real and what's fake, isn't it? Uh, but, you know, when you go overseas, there's, you'll have things like this, won't you? you have genuine fake watches that you can buy and you can pick them up and you can think, well, we've even got that. If you go to my father's house, he's got about 60 of them and he just picks out one for every other day because he's been to Thailand a number of times. Genuine fake. How do we pick the real ones and the fake ones? Well, what about this then? Uh, have you ever seen a bird like that? No, because you won't. There isn't a bird like that, uh, but on the internet you'll come this up. There's a photo of this one as being the most colourful owl, but it's not real. What about this? A dog as big as a horse. Oh, that's not real either. 
but they're up there. There's photos up there. Or what about this photo? Because this photo really did grab everyone for a long time. Can you remember that one? Uh, 9-11. This photo went viral around the world as though this guy had taken a photo just as the plane was about to hit tower number one. Uh, It was a fake. It wasn't real. Uh, But it's hard to pick, isn't it? Real, fake. How do you pick it? What about those emails that you get? Uh, They come to you and uh, someone says that they're going to be able to give a whole lot of money to you. Uh, You need to be careful of those, don't you? Otherwise, you'll end up wearing a T-shirt like this. I gave all my money to a Nigerian email scam. Can happen, isn't it? Real, fake. How do we pick that? How do we know that in the world that we're living in today? Well, in 2 Peter chapter 1 to 11, Peter is writing to a group of Christians who are having to pick the difference between real and fake. They've got people coming in who are actually part of their church family who are starting to tell them that the gospel that you knew, the truth that you knew beforehand is fake. This is the real deal. This isn't. And not only were they trying to teach them that, but they're also saying that the lifestyle that you're living is not real either. And what Peter is wanting to come in, he's coming into this group and he's saying to them, here's the real deal, guys. Here's the real truth. Here's the real promise. And here's the real future. This is what you need to know. So that's what we're going to be thinking about over the next couple of weeks. Who's the real deal? What is the real deal? And 2 Peter helps us to think that through for you and I here today in the world that we live. So Karen's going to come up and she's going to read to us uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 11 and play the drums at the same time. No. Uh, it'll be on the screen or open up your Bibles, that'll be great. <clears throat> 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, To those who through the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us every great and precious promises, promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters... Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome in the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. Thanks, Karen. 
Great passage, isn't it? Uh, it's not a long book, so you'll be able to read through to Peter, and it's worth reading it all in context because you'll see how uh, Peter builds his argument. Uh, but he starts off by telling us that uh, Peter is the real deal. Notice that in the first couple of verses. He says that Peter, he's an apostle, servant, apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the people that were coming into the church at this point in time are trying to say that, no, 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 we're the real deal. But Peter writes to them directly and tells to them that he is the real deal. He's a servant, first and foremost, of the Lord Jesus Christ, but then he is an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, that he has seen Jesus, he's been with Jesus, he's been taught by Jesus, he was with Jesus in his life, he saw the resurrected Jesus, and so therefore he is the real deal. He's the one that has the authority, so listen to me. So he's the real deal, but not only is that, but Jesus is the real deal. I notice that, doesn't he? He goes down the very next verse. He goes down and says that this is all about Jesus. He is the one. This is the faith that you have in him. It's not faith in anything else. It's faith in Jesus. Trust and believe in him. If you give your life to him, then that's the faith that you have, and that faith is a faith that we have, that Peter has, that's passed on to them, that gets passed on down the centuries. So the same faith Peter has is the same faith that the believers have is the same faith that you and I have. You see, Peter wasn't more godly than you and I. The first Christians weren't more godly than you and I. We're all in the same faith through trust and belief in Jesus. It's not that they're better off than us or higher than us or more uh, spiritual than us. No, 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 we have the same faith. It's been passed on through the centuries to each of us. And it's faith in only one, in Jesus. No one else and nothing else but Jesus. He is the one who saves. He is the one who takes on death. He is the one who takes on our sin, who nails it to the cross, who rises again so that we can have life forever. It's our faith in him. That's our salvation is Jesus. Now that's important because as if you read through a little bit later, these fakes are trying to say, no, 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 you need more than that. There's something extra. Yeah, Jesus is okay, he's a good guy. Yeah, he might have been the son of God, but actually, no, no, you need more. No, Jesus is the real deal. Peter's the real deal, he has authority, we need to listen to him because he's a servant apostle of Jesus. Of Jesus, but Jesus is the one that we have our faith in. He's the one we trust and no one else because he gives us real life. That's what verses 5 to 11 about. It says that we have real life in Jesus and him and him alone. Uh, look what it says in verse 3. His divine power has given us, now notice this word, everything. Everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Do you notice that? Everything. Everything that we need for life and godliness is wrapped up in Jesus and him alone. It's in him. It's in knowing him. The word for know there a little bit later called us uh, knowledge of him is not just a mental ascent. It's not that, oh, I can recognise that that's Jesus. This is actually a knowledge of him. It's, almost, it's a relationship term. Uh, the word knowledge here is not just information, but it's actually getting into a relationship, intensely 
intimate with this person. And that's what we have in Jesus and we get to know him through his word. Now, sometimes when you get to know people for us, isn't it, it's, uh, we need to spend time with them. We need to get to know them, as we said earlier, in blessing, don't we? You know, eat with them, spend time to them, listen to them. That's how we get to know people, isn't it? Well, with us, with Jesus, the way that we get to know him is through his word and as we read and delve and deeper and deeper into that. Because God's word is not just information. God's word is not just a textbook. God's word is a living word. It's his word. It transforms, it changes, it's alive. You see, the Bible isn't just one type of literature, it's a whole lot of things. In the Bible we get to hear colour and sight and hear and we almost smell, it wants to drag us in and give us an experience of God and the most intense one of that is Jesus. It wants to take us there. That's what the knowledge of Jesus is about. He's saying here we need to have that intense, intimate relationship with him and don't look anywhere else for it because you won't get it. It won't work. It's only him. You see, all we need is found in Jesus. So often we think we've got to have that next self-help book, we've got to have the next experience, we've got to have the next diet, we've got to go and do this. All we need is Jesus. Ultimately, those other things can be helpful, yes, but ultimately everything that we need to live a life that is godly here and now is as we delve deeper into Jesus. Paul says that we're in Christ. That's an interesting term, isn't it? That we're actually in him and he's in us. You see, he dwells in us, doesn't he? This power, this divine power that he's talking about here comes from Jesus as he comes into us and lives within us by his spirit and then exudes out of us as we live for him. All we need is found in Jesus. You see, Christian faith is not just a set of statements or facts to be learnt, but it is a power to be experienced. I don't know about you, but I think we live in a world that tells us if you get your education right, then you'll get your life right. Now, there's an element of truth there, isn't there? You do need to learn things, and that's helpful. But if you know that smoking's not bad and you still smoke, it, if you know that drinking too much is bad but you still drink too much, if you know, we know lots of things, don't we? We know if we eat the wrong things, it's going to kill us, but we still eat them, don't we? We've got knowledge about heaps of stuff, but we still don't do it. This world is not any better than it was 2,000 years ago and our education standard is out here. People are still sinful, aren't they? We need to be transformed from the inside out. That's what happens when we're in Jesus. He comes in and lives with us and he transforms us from the inside out. As we delve closer and more into him, as we get to know him more and more, he transforms us more and more. That's his power within us. I saw this as I was going through things today. Uh, If you ain't got Jesus, then you ain't got nothing, buddy. It's not bad, is it? You ain't got Jesus, you ain't got nothing, buddy. And that's what Peter's saying. This is it. This is where it all is. It's in him. He gives us the power to make us godly people so that we can live a godly life. 
and he gives us promises to motivate us to keep doing it. Look at what he says there, real life, uh, through his promises. Verse 4, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Uh, There are many promises, aren't there, in the Bible. There are promises about lots of things, but there is ultimately one big promise that shapes the Bible from the beginning to the end. Does anyone know what it is? The one big promise. About that, it's about what happens at the beginning. God creates the world and he makes it in perfect harmony with himself, gets destroyed. What's the rest of the Bible about? That's it. The big promise of the Bible is how God's going to restore his relationship with human beings for eternity. That is the big promise. Okay? And when you get into chapter 3 of 2 Peter, that's the promise that he's talking about. That is the promise that he wants to motivate us with. That is the promise that helps us to live life here and now because it's a promise that God is going to sort things out and the person who's going to sort it out is Jesus. He's going to come and return. Uh, first of all, we know that Jesus deals with our sin and our problem on the cross. He dies, takes the punishment for us. He rises again to say that we can have life forever. He deals with our problem in our relationship with God. We can have a restored relationship with God through Jesus and him alone. But that's not it, is it? That's only the beginning. The fulfilment of that is when we spend eternity in perfect relationship with God forever. That's what we talked about last week in heaven. That's what heaven is. A totally renewed and transformed earth with thousands of millions of other people in perfect relationship with God and each other. That is heaven. And chapter 3 says that Jesus is going to bring that about. There's going to be a day when he's going to return and that is it. That is the day when that is going to happen. And that's the promises that we need to hold on. That is the promise that will enable us to live life now, to motivate us to live that godly life now. When it says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. Our fire and heat is purification. That's the picture. But in keeping with his promises, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. That is what the promise is. That's what God promises for us. But there is also under that a real warning, isn't there? Because only those that are going to be in righteousness forever are the righteous. And the only people who are righteous are those that have had Jesus' righteousness credited to them. And it's only those that trust in Jesus that have that. That's a great encouragement if we trust and believe in Jesus, doesn't it? That's, we've got to look towards that excitement from that perspective. For those who don't, though, that's a real warning. But it's also encouragement for us to do like what Amy says. Let's not be ashamed of our faith because in the end, ultimately, we want as many people as possible to be there. And Jesus says that we're the ones that are to do that. He sends us out of the world to bring that message so that more and more people can come to know that and be in that righteousness for eternity. He wants us to do that, to be part of that. It's a bit of an interesting sign, isn't it? Jesus is coming. Are you ready for the great day of judgment?
because that's what they're going to go for. After that day, it's either going to be completely renewed, completely transformed. Earth is what we're going to be living on in complete righteousness. It's going to be wonderful, isn't it? And that's what the promise he's talking about. That is the promise that should encourage us to live now and a hope that we have in the future and should give us our eyes to look to the future and live to want to be in that place. You see, Jesus gives us, doesn't he? He promises us that that will be the case. Peter says to us, the real deal, listen to Peter, it's only in Jesus because he is the one that has the divine power. He gives us everything that we need to live the godly life and he gives us the promise. He fulfills the promise that gives us the hope to live now so we have this wonderful future before us and a desire to see more and more people part of that. That's what he wants. That's what he's encouraging these people to do. That's what he's encouraging you and I to do as well. Uh, this is just a quote, this isn't mine. Uh, the truth that frees us from having to pretend, this truth that we're just talking about there is the truth that frees us from having to pretend to be perfectly whole people today. We're not, are we? But we are Christians that are gripped by God's promises for the future, thrilled by them and motivated to live godly lives now in his power. How good is that? That's what we're motivated to do, to live this life the way God desires us to, in his power, by his power. Real life with the power, live with the power of Jesus within us through knowing him and with our eyes on the promises of Jesus transforming us to live lives that are more and more godly. Jesus is everything that we need. He gives us the power to live that way. He gives us the promise. He fulfills that promise for us and he's going to return to bring that to fruition. But it doesn't mean we just sit back now and put our hands underneath our backside and say, well, it's all been done for us. No. Notice what he says next. Ah, look what he says there. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Notice that it moves from faith to love. We trust and believe in Jesus. We have eternity with him, and we know that, and therefore we live these ways, and the ultimate of this is love. And we are to not be people who just float in that. We are to swim. Notice that it's actually in action. We have to be part of this. We actually be doing these things. If it clicks down for me. Uh, swim, don't float. I was reading a story just recently, a uh, uh, true story, which I'll find it so that I don't get it wrong. It's called Glenda's Long Swim. Uh, and it's a story about Glenda and Robert Lennon who were uh, sailing about four miles off the coast of Florida. Uh, they were alone on their yacht and Glenda decided to go for a swim. Uh, and when she dived in, she didn't realise that the currents and the tide were really, really strong and they just swept her away from the boat very, very quickly. And she realised that she wasn't going to get back to the boat so she called out and yelled out and Robert immediately, without even thinking, dived in and swam over to her. Uh, and it became very clear that they were in trouble. The boat was uh, getting further and further away from them. Uh, Glenda couldn't swim very, very, very well at all, but Robert was uh, a champion swimmer. 
So what they decided to do was that Robert would swim against the tide until it turned and then get the boat and Glenda would float and then he'd come back and find her. So they did that. So Robert swam against the tide for six hours until it turned and he kept the boat in sight for the whole time. As soon as it turned, he was able to get to the boat. He got to the boat and then he started to look for his wife. At that point in time, he was able to put out a distress call too to try and find her. Well, he couldn't find her. Uh, For 20 hours, they searched and eventually uh, one of the other searchers found her miles away from where she'd gone in. The story of that is that uh, uh, you can't float, can you? Uh, If you float and the tide's against you, you're going to get dragged away completely. You've got to swim against the tide. You see, the Bible says, doesn't it, that there's corruption and devastation around us, that the tide around you and I and the world that we are living in is not taking us towards God. It's taking us away from God. Completely. Uh, And as Christians we know, well, if we're with God, that's great. But as Christians we know that if we get caught in that tide and we just float and just think we can cruise, then we're in danger to be taken away and get further and further away. But we've got to swim. We've got to be on and out, don't we? We have to seek to have moral excellence. We do need to start trying to think about all those things that Peter has said, doesn't it? Uh, Put all those things on, to put all that together, to keep swimming hard. Because if we don't swim hard, guys, we're going to be drifting a long, 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 long way away. <sighs> Moral excellence. We've got, to, we've got to strive. Because we've got to be the real deal, don't we? You know, Peter's the real deal. Jesus is the real deal. He gives us the power and the promise to live godly lives. He says that we need to get on and do that, but we need to do it. We need to be real in doing that. We need to be real in our lives for him. We can't float, guys. I think sometimes as Christians we think, well, I'm saved, I'm right, I'm with Jesus, I'm okay. No. Nowhere in the Scriptures does it say, put your trust in Jesus and kick back and take it easy. He says, put your trust in Jesus. And then because of the promises, because you know what the future is and what the future holds, start living the life that God desires you to live now. I've given you the spirit within you to encourage and to give you the power to do that. Don't neglect that. Don't shut the Holy Spirit off and keep him out of your life. Open up to him. Allow him to work in your life. Do those things. Strive to do those things that he said in that passage there. Strive to be more like Jesus in every way because that's what that passage is, isn't it? All those qualities are Jesus, aren't they? They're the characteristics of Jesus. We are to be striving to live like him, to be real in our lives as well. I'm not sure where you're at. I'm not sure whether you're just thinking, uh, do I jump onto the boat of Jesus or not? Can I encourage you to do it? Because he is the real deal. He will give you the power to live life now. And he will take you to be in eternity with him. That's what he promises to do. He will do it. If you have jumped on the boat, if you have put your trust in Jesus, then don't jump off and float. So often we can, can't we? If you're just sitting there and you're thinking, oh, my Christian life's just got a bit boring lately, 
I'm not sure what I'm doing, what I'm going. Well, I'd challenge you and say, I think it's because you're floating. Because you just sit back and thought, well, okay. God, do your bit. But he says, strive, doesn't he? He says, seek to do these things. And how do we seek to do these things? As we become more intimately related to Jesus. Delve into him. Delve into his word and find out more about him. Strive hard at that. And if you're growing in your relationship with Jesus, then you will not be floating. You'll be swimming with him. And he'll give you the power to live godly lives. And you will be the real deal. You see, remember this. Promises of this world will win if we don't know the greater promises of Jesus. Because this world promises us heaps, guys, doesn't it? And the media keeps telling us this is the good life. Go and make as much money as you can. Use people as much as you can. Just get, 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 get. Have power. Have success. Have money. Have sex. Have as many partners as you can. Have, have all these sorts of things. It looks like the glamorous life, doesn't it? That's what the world tells us is the glamorous life. But it's devastating and it kills and it destroys but if that's all we're looking at, then the promises of God have become a distance. They're going to be sitting over here somewhere, aren't they? But if we're looking to the promises of God, if we look to what he has provided for us and what he has in future for us, then the promises of this world will go to the back and the promises of God will come to the front and we'll start to live for him. The real deal. Peter's the real deal. He's the servant apostle of Jesus. We need to listen to him as we look at 2 Peter over the next couple of weeks. Jesus is the real deal. He is the only one. He is the one that we are to put our faith in because he is the only one that has the power to change us from the inside out. Divine power he has. And he is the one that gives us the promises and fulfills the promises for us and will take us into those promises of eternity with him. So how about we be the real deal? Let's not float. Let's swim. Let's swim to Jesus. Let's get to know him more and more and more. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we uh, take a moment to let some of that sink in, we pray, Lord, that we won't be floaters. Pray, Lord, that we won't just sit back but Lord, that we will be motivated, that we will be empowered, that we will be people who seek to get to know your son Jesus more and more and more. Lord, we need your spirit to work within us. We pray, Lord, that we won't quench the spirit's fire within us, but Lord, we allow your spirit to work more and more within us, to change us in our character, Lord, so that we are more and more like Jesus. Lord, that as I set our eyes on the promises of eternity with you, all because of Jesus, that our eyes will be taken off the promises, the empty promises of this world and the delight of the promises of your eternity will fill our mind and drive us forward, Lord. Heavenly Father, we ask that you'll do a work within us, a mighty work within us, Lord, so that we are truly the real deal for you. We ask.
ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.